Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. Hey, you rip open the biofilm and you got all these bugs in there and they're going to scatter through the person and at least are... I've been there. I've seen that. Yeah. It's so true. So, so, you know, and they feel worse. So it's like, hey, uh, maybe there's a better timing to this so the patient doesn't have this toxic, you know, pathogen influx. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 156 with acupuncturist and the owner of Two Frogs Healing Center, Greg Lee. Every journey through Lyme disease is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work. You need ninja skills. Also, welcome to our studio, the show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn a preview of Greg Lee's presentation to the Pennsylvania Lyme Conference, what frequency-specific microcurrents are, and how Greg Lee uses them to break up biofilms with his Lyme patients, or for his Lyme patients. Maybe both. Maybe both. <laughs> I brought Greg on as a way to highlight PA Lyme's Resource Network second annual tick-borne disease patient symposium. That's a mouthful. It's a conference in Pennsylvania, Harrisburg. They do a great job, the PA Lyme uh, group, and I really wanted to support what they're doing. And Greg's a good friend and mentor of mine. Also, he's going to be one of the – he's not a key, the keynote, but he's one of the speakers and will wrap up the conference there. They've got some interesting folks speaking. Elena Freed, who we have interviewed. Yep. She's the neurologist who specializes in Lyme disease. Rita Rhodes, who I haven't met yet, and she's going to be speaking on it's not just Lyme disease and bridging the gap between conventional medicine and alternative medicine. Mm -hmm. The PA Lyme group also is going to be promoting their Dare to be Tick Aware program, and they're looking for ambassadors to help spread the word about Lyme disease and be aware about ticks and prevention of Lyme disease. Also, Bob Miller will be there. We're very good friends with Bob Miller. Matter of fact, we're on his, I shouldn't say we, Aurora's not. I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I guess I am a little bit. 
I'm his advisory group, and I really am a fan of Bob Miller's work and what he does. And then last, Greg Lee will wrap it up. So that's a preview of the symposium. It's going to be October 21st, this coming Saturday, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I may be there. I haven't quite finalized my plans. It depends on the progress of the radiator. My daughter laughs at me. Uh, this is- again, if you have, if you're in the central New York area and you have any experience with radiators, please give us a call. It's not that bad. It's just in twelve pieces, and they need to be put back together I now. I know. I well, know. still need to be painted. Anyway, enough about my radiator experiment. <laughs> and let's move on to the uh, top ten. The top cities. ten cities. Yes. Do we have an all American list? This we do have an all-American list, and it is fitting that a town in Pennsylvania is number one to this week in honor of the Pennsylvania Lyme Disease Conference. Yes, it's not Harrisburg, though. Come no. on, Harrisburg. Okay. All right. Number 10. Number 10 is... Situate. Situate. Thank you. Sorry, Situate. Situate, Massachusetts. Number nine, Bolingbrook, Illinois. Number eight, Nashville, Tennessee. And number nine, Gap. Wait, Pennsylvania. Number seven. number seven. What did I say? Number you nine. You said number nine. I'm misreading it. Number seven, Gap, Pennsylvania. Number six, Los Angeles, California. Number five, Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. Yeah, it's the it's one of the suburbs of. I thought Jamaica Plains was New York. No. All right, I stand no. corrected. Number four. New York, New York. It's about hey! time. <laughs> Welcome to the party, New York. Number Good three. To back. Yes, Houston, Texas. <laughs> Number two, Santa Cruz, California. And first place this week is Morrisville, PA. Congratulations, Morrisville. And we do our little, we have fun with this top 10, and it's a way to highlight the national reach of Lime Ninja Radio. And we actually have an international audience. We, we're trying to figure out ways to get across the pond to England and UK, get listened to a little bit more over there, and then across the other pond, the big pond. The big pond. To Australia and New Zealand, and even our neighbors in the north, the Canadians. Oh, yes. So if you have any contacts out there, spread the news. If you have any friends who have Lyme disease, Make sure that they know about Lime Ninja Radio. We have lots of great information in our archives, 155 episodes covering just about every topic. Pretty much. If it, it, it has gotten it has gotten broad and varied yes, it over has. the course we, of our And we have some great guests coming up that we will be revealing in the next few weeks. So we we've got some interesting things planned for Lime Ninja Radio. <laughs> One of the things I will talk about, we will have Morley Robbins back on. I'm very excited to speak with him again. And in support of that, we're going to bring in some experts in bee pollen and magnesium. And I'm trying to get Chris Masterjohn on the show. He, We exchanged a few emails, and then I haven't heard from them. I think he's rejected me for the second time. But I won't, I'll keep trying. <laughs> One of these days, we'll get him on the show. All right, Aurora. Enough about the trials and tribulations <laughs> of, of producing of a poor podcaster. <laughs> yes, you folks don't want to hear about that. You just want to hear the experts. Listen to Greg Lee, not us yahoos up here in Central New York trying to put a radiator back together again. <laughs> okay, Aurora. Okay. Tell us a little bit about Greg. 
Greg Lee is the founder of Two Frogs Healing Center and the co-founder of the Goodbye Lyme website and newsletter. He's been treating Lyme for 15 years using his experience in acupuncture, Chinese herbs, cranial sacral techniques, and Sufi healing to help people conquer their disease. He will be presenting at the Pennsylvania Lyme Conference at the end of the month. All right, Aurora, thank you very much. And here's our interview with Greg Lee. You're going to speak at the PA Lyme Conference this weekend, yeah? Uh, next weekend. It's next week. It's, it's a week and a half out. I hope so, because otherwise <laughs> <laughs> I'll show up to an empty hotel. Oh, no. <laughs> It is because yeah, no, it's two weeks out. Yeah, and what's what? Can I get a little preview? What's your topic going to be? All right, let me not do a PR thing and misquote myself. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hysterical. My uh, presentation is targeting intracellular and biofilm forms of Lyme disease co-infections with microparticle liposomal remedies and microcurrent. Oh, okay. <laughs> so a nice, nice light reading. Yeah. 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 So this, this biofilm, one of the talks I heard about a year and a half ago, he was a researcher out of temple in Philadelphia and his expertise is biofilms. And he cut his teeth on ear infections about 20 years ago. And kind of at, at that point, the idea was, well, if the ear infections don't respond to antibiotics, in other words, if they kind of get better for a little while and then go away, they must be viral. And what he finally came to the conclusion was that absolutely not, that they're in a biofilm. And yeah. his, his big point and this was talking to a lay audience. He wasn't talking to other researchers. His big point is, look, we want to study bacteria by themselves, but that's not their natural habitat. Their natural habitat is in a biofilm. And if you want to have effective treatments, you have to take into account the biofilm colonies and how these bacteria set up with other bacteria, with mold, with viruses, and communicate with each other, share DNA, and and work in a in in concert with each other to survive. Yeah. Well, I have down the hall one of the top biofilm researchers. She's done work on like wound biofilms, you know, and other. Uh, so she we have talks all the time, and she says everything has biofilms. Yeah. Now, so and every yeah. Can you make an introduction? By the way, there's going. to little off topic here, but I would love to talk to her <clears throat> interview. Oh yeah. Her. If you want to, I, I can, yeah, I'll, I'll see if she wants to be interviewed on your uh, program. Yeah. It would be wonderful. As I think that fundamental <clears throat> understanding about biofilms is critical. So tell us about your approach to breaking down biofilms. Cause basically what we have out there are people know about the serapeptase, uh, maybe stevia. We've heard about a little bit, uh, but other than that, what, what's what do we got? What do well, you have? What do I got? Yeah, I'll show you the goods. Uh, essential oils have phenols, which are solvents. When 
there's unpublished research that cinnamon, clove, sweet orange cuts through the Borrelia biofilms and can kill the uh, spirochete form of Lyme. And there's what they found uh, in researchers have found there are single species biofilms and multi-species biofilms. And multi-species biofilms are much harder to uh, have much more uh, resilience. They often have like metals or fibrin uh, inside the biofilms, which makes them much harder to, you know, break through and dissolve. So our approach is you need to, uh, one, help the person to be able to handle whatever's being released from the biofilm first because it's kind of like you have this like, you know, I I used to work at a a 24-hour restaurant and you'd go into the storeroom at night, turn on the lights, and you'd see all the little insects that feeding on the little drips of whatever was left on the floor (laughs) scatter, you know. So it's kind of that's like my model of like, hey, you rip open the biofilm and you got all these bugs in there and they're going to scatter through the person. And at least I've been there. I've seen that. Yeah, it's so true. So, so, you know, and they feel worse. So it's like, hey, uh, maybe there's a better timing to this. So the patient doesn't have this toxic, you know, pathogen influx. So it's really detoxing the person, helping them to be able to handle whatever gets released, whether it be pathogens or toxins or inflammatory compounds. And then going after the biofilms, there's multiple methods. One of them is essential oils. Another one, uh, in different studies, you have liposomal remedies that are encapsulated in uh, phosphatidylcholine are able to penetrate biofilms more effectively. There are a lot of drug studies, and there's a couple essential, liposomal essential oil and uh, I think liposomal silver uh, in different uh, lab studies as being more effective than just the non-liposomal form. <clears throat> and could you explain a liposome a little bit more? For- liposome, it's basically a uh, kind of – you have a uh, – micro particle very small particle that's surrounded by um a lipid uh or fat and that acts as kind of like the hey i'm a i'm really a sheep in here you know you can just let me in the door cell it's, you know <laughs> but inside you know the it's a pathogen it encounters a pathogen then it can release the whatever it is the essential oil the herb the supplement uh that can have like antimicrobial properties, anti-inflammatory properties, antitoxin properties, nourishing properties. So it really depends on what kind of target you're going after. It depends on what how, what you put into the uh, liposome. And we custom make them for our patients because not everybody needs you know liposomal glutathione or their genetics uh, aren't able to handle the sulfur of the glutathione. So they need other things. Uh, so we compound custom herbs and essential oils in liposomal form for our patients. <clears throat> and that helps them to gently begin to work on what's in the biofilms without, like, ripping it open, which is 
gentler on the patient, less of these, you know, Herzheimer reactions that can happen from releasing everything in the biofilm all at once. So you, you advocate a gentler approach and not the, yeah, wearing your detox Herx on the sleeve. It's like, yeah, I must be getting better because I feel terrible now for the past two weeks. Well, you know, most of our patients have been through that. <laughs> and given the option, they would like most of them say, yeah, I want to get better. Yeah, I want to get all this, these infections out of me. And how my a lot of the questions are about how bad are, is the Herxheimer reaction? Hmm. So, and I say it. We go give you things that you can dose up and dose down depending on your reaction, so you can have control over how much of a Herx reaction you have based on you know your experience and the dose that you take. Now, in terms of dosage. <laughs> How small do you start? It really depends on how fragile. Uh, if the person has difficulty detoxing due to their genetics or they have a congested liver gallbladder or their cells are toxic, then in those – or they have mast cell activation, then it's going to be very small doses. It could be a drop. It could be you know, an eighth of a teaspoon. Uh, if people have – you know. They're able to detox. They're more robust. Then we can go higher. It could be a tablespoon or more as an initial dose, depending on what's in it. Yeah, just curious to get the specifics specifics on that because the recommendations you hear vary all over the place. And like the Cowden protocol starts out with drops and and works its way up. And so starting at a very low. Very, very low dose makes a lot of sense because the other thing you hear over and over with people with Lyme disease is the associated problems that you're talking about, whether it's genetic or whether it's a mineral deficiency or whatever else is going on, that their tolerance for interventions can be can be very slow. So what do you do to help? You mentioned that before, but what do you do specifically to help people buffer that and and kind of prepare for uh going after the the biofilms and what's behind the biofilms again? Well, two of the most effective treatments that I've seen in patients uh, is, first one is microcurrent, uh, where you can have specific frequencies. You can actually detox, reduce inflammation, and also target biofilms, fibrin, intracellular pathogens, and targeting spirochetes and protozoa and bacteria, viruses, fungi, parasites. And using that as kind of like the, hey, if you're going to kill it, detox it immediately kind of strategy. Okay. And can you explain a little bit what exactly the theory behind uh, frequency-specific microcurrent is? You're using very low electrical uh, charges millions of an amp so you people usually don't feel it but it's it's very similar to the electrical charges that are in your body and there's ones that have a healing effect like kill spirochetes detoxify reduce inflammation help neutralize and detox heavy metals increase healing strengthen like adrenals um reduce, you know, pain. So depending on what a person's dealing with, you it's possible 
when you get these programmable units to say, okay, we're going to work at, you know, because we know your, this part of your brain, the midbrain's inflamed, so we're going to do any toxin, any inflammatory frequencies, and your liver and gallbladder has stones, we're going to do, you know, stone-reducing frequencies and detoxing and, you know, and it's just a matter of understanding what are the major issues and then addressing them with the microcurrent. So every patient of ours gets a custom microcurrent treatment to help them to, you know, detox, kill infections, reduce inflammation, and deal with whatever main issues that they have, pain or brain fog or adrenal fatigue. Now, liposomal remedy, we kind of understand that. So that's something you're taking every day or every other day to begin with something every third day to to manage the dosing up on that. But microcurrent, how often does a patient get that? Is that something they get daily, once a week, once a month? They get it in the office visits, and some patients will buy their own unit. Unfortunately, units you know run over $2,000, uh, so it's not cheap. And for the patients that can afford it, that really helps them because then they can run it every day. Like one of my patients, she uh, has really bad sinus congestion, and that's leaking toxins into her nervous system. It's making her hard to sleep, hard to think. You know, it, it's just uh, very difficult for her. And she's using a unit at home, and you know, the next day after she took it home, she's like. Oh my gosh! I can he listen to my nose, and she's like breathing. <laughs> she's like, "Well, I, I don't. Yeah, okay. I did you hear it? I can breathe. I can. I, I can sleep. I can do all this stuff." And that was just after one one night of using this, or one day of using this. And, and so, do, do they put armbands on, wristbands, patches? How does the it, microcurrent get in? The little gel pads you put on, and you have wires running to the unit. Okay. Like it's like it looks like a tens unit basically, but it's much lower power and. The great thing about it is you have also a frequency that says, where do you want the healing frequencies to go? So we can target her sphenoid sinus, her paranasal sinuses, and other areas that may be affected. I think also the where she got frequencies for her, like tonsils in her throat and her lungs, to just take care of the downstream, you know, schmutz that leaks out of the sinuses into the throat. And yes, yeah, schmutz. <laughs> Yeah. Technical term. It is very, very technical. It's very schmutzy. Yeah. Now, and do you, when you're in the office, do you also then layer on top Chinese medicine and use the patches on specific points? Does that matter? Or does the frequency just take care of that itself and you just put it on somebody's foot or whatever? I put uh, one on the foot and one on the head. What I use in the office is like wet towels because you have a bigger surface area to deliver the current through. Yeah. So one one wet towel on the feet, one wet towel on the head, and that just delivers it through the whole body. So we need like a, a pool, right, a, a microcurrent pool to just soak in for 15 minutes, get a full body exposure. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> I'm in, yeah, we, we actually, I'm in a research facility. I moved in here uh, at the beginning of the year, and they had this big, like, water tank for testing flow and stuff like that. And I was saying, like, Hey, that would make a great hot tub for my patients. Can I use that? <laughs> yeah, then you get the whole, you got to uh, get the chlorine or what. They use bromide. Anyway, there's a couple of things they use to detoxify that aren't quite so harsh as the chlorine. But that brings up an interesting yeah. point that, I mean, we know each other fairly well, but 
you're, you have a very interesting background. So how did you get to Lyme disease and what kind of practitioner are you for people who haven't met you yet? So I'm Greg Lee and I'm a acupuncture herbalist. I have a Lyme clinic in Frederick, Maryland called uh, Two Frogs Healing Center. Website is goodbylyme.com. My background before I got into this was I used to be a software engineer working for various NASA contractors on like the Hubble Space Telescope. I worked in a robotics lab where we had robots that were big enough to pick up cars. Then we had astronauts coming in and doing experiments to prepare them for like shuttle missions and repair missions of, you know, building the space station or, you know, help dealing with satellites and launching them with the robotic arm. And, uh, that was a very exciting, you know, very creative, uh, place. And it was also very stressful. I got a uh, irritable bowel syndrome and it made it so that, you know, it's hard to like sit in a meeting and, you know, my bowels are going, I gotta go. And, <laughs> and uh, I went to the doc, got meds and basically, uh, it made it so I couldn't think. So I just go to work and I would just stare at my computer or like sit around in meetings thinking, I have no idea what's going on around me. And well, it was like, so, oh wait, my God. so the side effect of the meds was it wiped your brain out. Yeah. I was just like, just, I, I was like all my brain functioning. I just couldn't think. And it was just like, wow. Oh, clobbered your earth element, huh? I guess back then they didn't understand my doc didn't understand the gut brain connection or whatever it was. Yeah. And so I went to, then I said, okay, this isn't working. You know, I went to acupuncture and that about eight weeks later, my bowels are better. And I was like, woohoo, great. Back to work. And then I started to burn out again. And then I said, well, what's my bliss? I heard Joseph Campbell's famous line, follow your bliss. And I was like, and then it hit me helping people. And I was helped by acupuncture. So I decided to go get a master's of acupuncture. Uh, after that, and that kind of launched me into like the healing uh, arena, where I got people. When I got out, since I had kind of an engineer's brain, I looked at like what are the underlying issues and how to reverse engineer things. So I began to get people who had chronic pain, fibromyalgia, and then uh, had good success with a lot of fibromyalgia patients. And then there was a subset that kept me up at night. I couldn't figure out what was helping them, no matter how I treated them with or gave them what herbally or supplement-wise. And then uh, one of them came to me and said, hey, I guess just got diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I was like, Lyme disease? Oh, that was like, you know, 19 years ago. I'm like, okay. And uh, say would get, he would get better and worse, better and worse. And it was just like, I'm not helping you, am I? And he goes like, yeah, you are. And I was like, okay. And then as time went on, more people with Lyme heard that I was seeing Lyme patients, so they began to come. And so now probably 85% of my practice is uh, people with tick-borne infections or hard-to-diagnose, you know, parasite infections, viral infections, mold. I've got a lot of mold patients also. And I'm starting to actually see more people with uh, – more kids with have like pandas – or uh, issues due to like uh, neurological infections or heavy metals that may have been may or may not have come from vaccinations or other sources. So, <clears throat> did you see Doctor Stephanie Seneff's 
a recent paper on glyphosate and she gets into she she claims that glyphosate is an analog for glycine in the body which means it's going to interfere with uh glutathione synthesis yeah. and therefore things are going to back up so even even at small so the idea was that the glyphosate doesn't uh, affect us because we don't carry the gene uh that it that it really the pathway that it gets involved with it but it does affect the microbiome because the bacteria inside us have it so the initial idea but she says no no uh, glyphosate is also an analog for glycine so it's going to start interrupting all kinds of functions within the body and i i that's fascinating so some of these issues where we're seeing an increase may may be in you know there's that there's the just the toxic load that's out there in addition with maybe additional vaccines and then you get into something like glyphosate you get all the radio frequency interference and sleep interruptions so we have these layerings so you maybe there you know i always wonder greg and i'd like your opinion on this is are we and maybe it's not a, a yes or no or either or it's, it's are we just more aware of these things and doing a better job diagnosing or is there an actual increase in incidence in, in all these kinds of things, including Lyme disease, including these metal toxicities, including autism, things like that. Well, according to the research I've seen, you know, there's like billions and billions of pounds of glyphosate that are produced every year. And it comes up in my patients. We, we do an electrical frequency scan of our patients and it comes up in, you know, probably about 25% of them have significant glyphosate toxicity that's interfering with their gut and other processes um you know then you know the Klinghart in a recent uh interview talked about aluminum being prevalent everywhere you know it's in like hairsprays and antiperspirants and a lot of other like baking <laughs> products yep so you know, I think it's more and, you know, everybody's got a cell phone and that's not going to go away anytime soon. You know, we didn't have that growing up and there's much more radio frequencies, EMFs. So it's there's much more insults potentially to the body. And, you know, we have people who are more vulnerable due to their genetics and whatever other burden they may have gotten, you know, growing up whether it be infections or toxins or metals and that gets compounded definitely so you know one of my colleagues says that you know the diseases that uh, he was seeing in 60 year olds he's now seeing in 40 year olds diseases he used to see in 40 year olds you know 15 years ago are now in the 20 year olds it's just like almost like this you know acceleration of aging aging and illness illness yeah yeah, that's, you know, it's fascinating to think I came across something recently where they were giving some case histories of 12 year olds having strokes. And that just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. It's absolutely um, mind blowing. Yeah. One of the, uh, I was at a, uh, closed door kind of research, uh, meeting, uh, recently. And one of the, uh, presenters there, uh, she's, a works a lot with uh, tick-borne diseases and, and patients that have like interstitial cystitis. Her name is Ruth Kriz. I don't know if you've interviewed her or not, but she'd be a good person for your future shows. And she was talking about in her patients, 
Uh, a, lot, a lot of them have this hypercoagulation due to their genetics, uh, whether it be uh, something called Leyden factor um, and a couple other ones, uh, which I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, they make people much more, uh, have much greater levels of fibrin, which makes biofilms harder, which if they have implants, then the fibrin, you know, makes those biofilms harder. That makes any scar tissue, uh, and much more hard to penetrate reservoir for infections and their blood gets really thick. And he, she said, those are the people who seem to have the slowest progress in healing are the ones that ever patients that have these genetics. So, did I did I tell you my wet cupping story? Speaking of that, because wet cupping is one of the treatments you do and teach for the fibrin. And yeah. So the, I, I had essentially some sort of uh, microbial attack on the brachial nerves in my arm and just lost the use of my arm, basically from shoulder to elbow. I could move my fingers, but I couldn't lift my elbow up and around. And that lasted for, uh, geez, six, eight weeks before it really started uh, kicking in and getting better. And I had Aurora do some wet cupping on my shoulder. And depending on the site of the cupping, and I know you're very familiar with this, but it just bears repeating that as closer to whatever the site of the infection was, presumably the, the blood that would be come out of this cupping. So you, you puncture the skin just a few times with a, with a little lancet and then you apply suction to it to pull the blood out. And it just kind of oozes out. It's not like you're draining quarts of blood out of somebody. It's just a little bit of blood, but around the infection site, it was as thick as you can see it. And then you just move a few inches away from it and the blood just flows bright and clear. And it's, it's amazing. The, the the whole the whole fibrin thing, but then there's also, uh, and I keep on forgetting the name of it. There's also uh, a red blood cell that's present, kind of in its waiting to be recycled by the spleen, and those numbers of cells can increase when there's an infection present too. So it's not only the fibrin, but it's also the blood itself that gets into this dark brown and and sticky. Uh, quality that it has to it that you see with the wet cupping so it's it's a it's a multifaceted thing that's happening yeah uh patients of mine that have that really thick blood have done uh live blood microscopy and they talk about how their platelets all clump together under the you know the microscope and it looks like they're just all sticky they're not like floating around in the blood like you know little boats they're just all kind of globbed so those people, let's see, the, the genetic issues are PI1, uh, latent factor 5 uh, are the uh, genetic issues that uh, predispose people to have this hypercoagulation and greater fibrin in their system. To begin with, right. And then, so, I mean, just breaking down very, very simply, if you have sticky blood or thick blood, it's just not going to flow through the capillaries as well. So you're not going to deliver oxygen and nutrients, and you're not going to clean out some of the toxins. Now, granted, there's lymph there too, but it, it just slows down the entire process of healing. Yeah. It's just brutal. Now, speaking of healing, you see... A large number of people with Lyme disease and you see people who have or are really struggling. 
They've tried Cowden. They've tried Buner Protocol. They've done it on their own. They've seen Lyme literate physicians. They've traveled all around. And you're kind of like the Obi-Wan Kenobi final hope in, for, for some of these people. And what, what I want to ask you is for the people who are really struggling out there, is, is there hope or is there at some point it's just like, you know what? We just have to kind of, you know, I don't want to say make you comfortable and prepare to die kind of thing, but we're just doing palliative care. Have, have you been able to crack most of the codes even on these really tough cases and begin to make some progress? I would say about 75% of the people that come are able to have significant improvement. About 25% of the cases I'm not able to help. So, Three out of four, you know, people who come and often they have this hypercoagulation, the thick blood, the cupping, the microcurrent, the enzymes help them a lot. And that's often been missing in their treatments. You know, they've done the Cowden, Buner, all these different things. Um, they often have uh, metals and viral loads that are you know, high. And it's just something that either their, their practitioners just overlooked and, or just due to their treatments, they killed off most, you know, a significant more amount of their bacterial load. And then the viruses are able to then propagate. So that's kind of the, the pictures I'm seeing is, um, the most difficult ones are probably the parasites, uh, that get into the nervous system. And uh, we're looking at a new treatment where people are actually nebulizing uh, these antimicrobial minerals uh, to help them to kill their infections without producing the stealthy forms that are able to then come out later. In, in this uh, meeting, they had uh, spirochetes that they exposed to this um, nebulized mineral and basically, it just stopped moving. And then they showed it like 24 hours later, same position, 48 hours, same position. Whereas the ones that, you know, had been exposed to like antibiotics, later on, you could still see them moving or coming out once the antibiotics were removed. <clears throat> so that's, that's fascinating. It's a, it's a mineral cocktail as opposed to. Anything right. else? That's uh, that's so fascinating. Yeah, and so we are. Uh, it unfortunately, it's 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 very expensive uh, to do, and uh, you have to understand what are the different things that you can't take with it that interfere with its absorption. So things like antioxidants and also oils. So a lot of patients have to reduce or eliminate those things. Uh, that they're taking. Yeah. And and just, just to help people out. So nebulizer just essentially it's vaporizing. And so it's a, it's a liquid. And I assume there's a carrier for the minerals as well. That's not just dust you're inhaling that it's with water or some other carrier. So it's, they do nebulizer for asthma treatments and things like that. It's a way to get things right to the lungs and the lungs are a great absorption area and get things right into the bloodstream instantly. Yeah. It's like fumigating the person because, you know, these things hide they hide in the cells, they hide in biofilms, they hide in cartilage. 
and how do we get them get to them to kill them and get them out that's one thing i wanted to ask you thanks for reminding me in terms of biofilm and in your scans do you find is there a particular place that biofilms tend to get set up is like they're the usual suspects or is it really disseminated randomly through the body uh sinuses oral cavity intestines those are the the most uh common areas that they show up and in the oral cavities, is that people who've had root canals or is that even within a healthy mouth as well? Within a healthy mouth. Yeah. So it just and, gets set up. Yeah. And one of, one of the things that was uh, shared at this uh, recent event was how uh, baking soda, if you brush with baking soda, it kills spirochetes. Ha, no kidding. Yeah. Something so simple like that. And then rinse with hydrogen peroxide and that breaks up the biofilms. And make sure you're using diluted hydrogen peroxide because every once in <laughs> a while, uh, sir, it's, you, you'd be surprised. Every once in a while you read somebody said, yeah, I'm going to get the good stuff, right? So they get the undiluted and just absolutely do damage to their, their mouth or their stomach, whatever they swallow, how much they get down. Yeah. So be, be careful. Learn what you're doing before you start throwing hydrogen peroxide around. More, yeah, yeah. more is not better necessarily. <laughs> can always consult with a healthcare provider. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> like Greg <Greatly. laughs> Absolutely. And so that, that was really my, my final question there is, is, is where these biofilms get set up. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. And once again, if you'll give people your online digits so they can find you and, and look you up and you will be speaking at the, PA Lime Conference, which is which is coming up on what's the date? The twenty twenty first. Twenty first, right? And it's in Harrisburg, yeah. Yeah, I'll be the last speaker uh, of the evening uh, of the day. Saving the best for last, I hope. I uh, hope so. <laughs> I've got yeah, I've got the conference on my calendar. I'm hoping to make it. It really just depends on. We're putting in a new heating system, the final touches on that, and I'm I'm breaking apart radiators and painting them and putting back together and just depends on how far I get on that project or whether my wife will let me go. <laughs> but I would love to see you. So if you have experience in heating systems and breaking apart radiators, contact McKay Rippey. Yes. At <laughs> so you can go to the Lime Conference. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um Let's see. Uh, let's see. Contact info. <laughs> Contact info. Uh, GoodbyeLime.com. Tons of free articles. Uh, actually, we're redoing our website to make it so when people go there, they can say, hey, are you, are you which of these issues are you most interested in, whether it be pain or neurological or detoxing, and then they can get more specific content. Right now, it's just pretty much just put all up there and people have to hunt through it. But we can hopefully help them if they can say, hey, I'm interested in these areas, then they can begin to uh, get more specific content and what they're interested in. Um, our clinic is in Frederick, Maryland, and we uh, our phone number is 301-228-3764. And we do an extensive scan of our patients uh, where we look at over 400 different infections, toxins, inflammation. And also systems and area of the body which are most in need of healing, and then develop 
custom targeted strategies. We don't do protocols at our center because everyone's different and one size does not fit all. And besides, most of our patients are done. Most of the protocols out there. So they need something that's another level uh, more specific than what they get with a protocol. And um, we're just uh, here to spread the word, help as many people as possible. And, you know, I think that with the research facility that I'm in, we have a top biofilm researcher and we're looking at studying. Uh, I'm actually looking at working with her on developing uh, viruses that infect bacteria. They're called phages, or I mispronounce it as phages. Uh, for oh, really? It's, fa- it's phage, not phage? Yeah. Jeez. I, I get corrected all the time. <laughs> Thanks. I won't sound so so bad when I talk to the scientists <laughs> next time. Yeah. So one of the uh, uh, more resistant infections besides Lyme are rickettsias, you know, like Rocky Mountain and Ehrlichia. So we're looking at, you know, getting some sort of initial funding to study and and find the phages that can kill those co-infections. And, you know, Lyme too, but I believe there's already some that are out there for Borrelia. Uh, So we're looking at ones that haven't been developed. And of course, it all needs funding and you know, so if you have several thousand dollars that you want to put towards the Lyme research, I'm very happy to put your money to good use. Um, and uh, that's, uh, you know, help. I wish that everyone gets the healing that they need. And that's where I'm at. And thank you for having me on here. It's an honor and great to share this time with you and McKay. And, and thanks for all the hard work that you're doing. You're welcome. It's such a honor on this end to talk to somebody like you who knows so much and is just willing to share openly like you do. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I learn every time I listen to your next podcast, it's like, I didn't know that. I learned something new. (laughs) Terrific. Mutual fan society here. Greg Lee, I remember meeting when I first met Greg Lee. He has a great presence. So the people who are going to go see him present, is they're in for a treat, I think. Yes, if you're anywhere around Harrisburg, spend the 45 bucks, go to the conference, listen to Greg. It'll yeah. be worth your time. Yeah. And there was also something that you guys – that he mentioned as part of his research and then you never really got into. So okay. I'm just wondering, what is phosphatidylcholine? Phosphatidylcholine. Phosphatidylcholine. Is a lipid, a fat, and it's part of the me- membrane on cell walls inside the body. Okay. And so when you have a liposomal remedy that has phosphatidylcholine in it, the body just, it reacts very well with the cell. So the cell can take whatever's inside the little, ball of liposomal remedy and just suck it right into the cell. So that's, that's what that is. So it's just, it mimics, it's bioavailable. It mimics the cell wall construction. So the body recognizes it as friendly and absorbs it very quickly into the body as well. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Okay. If you like what you hear here, here on Lime Ninja Radio, Please head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to and leave a review. And if you hear Rusty the Rescue Dog coming in, that's because he is. 
And when he's creaky like that, we call him Rustoleum because he's a creaky old rescue dog. We love Rusty, though. There. <laughs> Rusty snorts and snores. <laughs> anyway, if you like what we're doing here, head on over to iTunes or Stitchers. Leave a review. Leave a comment. Or at least click on the stars there for us. What that does is helps us move up the rankings within iTunes. That means more people can find us, more people can get educated about Lyme disease. And really, that's what this is all about. So please help spread the word. Do your part. Or you can send us a check. <laughs> Just kidding. That's what they used to say. You're a $20 it, bill. Dad. A $20 <laughs> bill attached to. <laughs> that's what the car talk guys used to say. Anyway, oh, no, it. don't do that. Just head on over to iTunes, leave a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. All right. Tell us what's in Ninja Nuggets this week. Well, this week. A little preview. This week, I found something that's a bit interesting. A young woman in Maine is going to Germany for hyperthermic treatment. And if anybody out there knows or doesn't know about hyperthermic treatment. Yes, what is that? Because to me, that just means sitting in a sauna, but she can do that that. here in the States. No, no, it's not quite that. So they're basically raising the body temperature up until it's almost at heat stroke. So they're going to raise the temperature to between 104 to 107 and then keep it closely supervised to keep to... To kill off to kill off all the bacteria. Yeah, so wow. it's basically an induced and fever. sustained fever. Yeah. So I've heard of right an induced coma to protect the brain. Yeah. And protect the body, but this is an induced fever. No kidding. That's fascinating. Yeah. I would love to interview her. Right. Yeah. If by any chance you're listening, young lady who's going to <laughs> Germany for hyperthermia, or right. if anybody's yeah. had hyperthermia treatment. Drop us an email at feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. It sounds very intense. Speaking that of intense. That is for sure. Speaking of intense. Speaking of intense. Well, before we get to that, though, if you'd like to know the rest of the Ninja Nuggets and be on our list to get them every week, Aurora puts together a great, interesting list every week and sends it out on Fridays. You can subscribe at LimeNinjaRadio.com. You'll get a little pop-up there. Just give us your email, and we'll put you on the list. It's that simple. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, the very, very intense Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know if a ninja appears in your dreams, don't panic. She is only looking for scary clowns. Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.